describe it but do you want to try to like kind of what I send you in the text before give like a little (laughs) no absolutely and I think that's a good point because it I'd say calling it a corona season rather than a swim season is probably a pretty fair um like name to give it just because things were so different you know we were pretty fortunate to have three solid years of swimming and then that fourth year being so different it's kind of interesting to like contrast the experiences but I'd say in general, um, it was just a lot more, you had to constantly be on because you're constantly worrying about, you know, social distancing and making sure that you're maintaining safety. Um, and just that added stress of always being aware of like who you're seeing, where you're going, what you're touching, um, just kind of builds on top of the fact of already being, you know, a D1 collegiate athlete, which, and I'm sure for all the listeners, like, you realize how compartmentalized your life has to be because you need to just have like a really strict set schedule and make sure that you're able to manage your time well. Um, and it just like building on that with the whole like, like athlete and then academic side of things, it's kind of, it was just kind of exhausting, but it really, it really gave a like kind of a cool perspective and it really forced people to be kind of grateful for what they had. And, and, and as the new normal for that year, and honestly, we've still been carrying it into today. Um, persisted we just kind of went with it and we're like all right this is how things are going to be but it's good and you know you you kind of learn a lot about yourself and other people through that right what would you say was something this year that you like took for granted in the years before honestly I'd say the biggest thing was just like meeting people yeah because that's that's like one thing that I really tried to do um like I guess more towards sophomore year, freshman year, I was kind of like, oh, swim team is what I do. So when I got into college, I was like, I'm going to stick on, I'm going to latch onto the swim team. But like my sophomore and honestly, junior year too, I really wanted to meet as many people as I could, like reach out. I made like a lot of good friends at Bryant who weren't necessarily on the swim team or who weren't even necessarily athletes. Um, And I think that's something that you take for granted is when you're in like a socially distant climate where you're keeping your contacts really low, which is obviously what we had to do. um, You don't get those interactions as easily. And, you know, I, I was talking with uh, like Matt, one of our other teammates, uh, like a couple of days ago, 
and we had kind of said like it was it was interesting like as the year went on and as our swim career was over um for the senior week which was like our last week of school that's right when like vaccinations were pretty high and and covid restrictions started loosening up and so i met all these people on campus and i'm sitting there i'm like why did i like why did we not meet these people before like why didn't we do stuff with them sooner so you kind of kick yourself but i definitely think that's something i took for granted and i'll always like moving forward just really value like those connections and those like interactions that you have with people Right. For sure. That last week was so bittersweet because I remember, yeah, like we could all get together again and like we're all hanging out like it was before. And it kind of felt like the years before that last few weeks of school, for sure. So, Matt, you guys won NECs for the first time. This was your first year in the conference. How was that experience overall coupled with being in the corona season? Yeah, honestly, that's that's probably the craziest piece of everything. So here we are, you know, we're com- coming back to school. We're like so uncertain that we're even going to have a season. And all of a sudden it's coming out that they're starting the men's NEC. So the Northeast Conference, which is what Bryant's women's team has always been in. Um, and because the NEC just never had a men's comp- like side of the conference, um, our men's swim team used to be part of the MAC, the Metro Atlant- Atlantic Athletic Conference. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and so we kind of were like all this uncertainty things were going on. And then when they finally announced that we were in the NEC, we we're like, holy cow, are we going to have a season? Are there other teams in the NEC? Um, and it actually was a pretty, it was a pretty good year. We, it was, there was some other teams in the conference and, you know, your first thought is probably, all right, you guys are an acquainted swim team. We are racing against teams that, you know, aren't necessarily acquainted, but that wasn't actually necessarily the case because the teams that we actually swam against, like, had some existing swimmers. And I think there was like a bunch of transfers and stuff that was going on. And so there was actually honestly a lot of talent, a, a, a real ton of talent in the NEC. Um, and so the whole year we were kind of like, yeah, you know, we were in a good place because we've, we've had a history of already being a swim team, but we got to work our butts off if this is something that we want to do. Cause we, you know, the girls team was going on three, a three-year hot streak of winning NEC titles. We're like, well, we can't let them show us up. And um, I think it was a pretty, it was honestly such a special time because it made all those hours. And obviously for people who know the team, we just kind of went through a lot this year with just setbacks and practices getting moved and this and that and quarantines happening left and right. And so it was really tough, but to, to finish it on that note, and I will say like truly one of the most incredible moments of my life was sitting there holding the NEC title, like uh, cardboard piece of paper. Yeah. The banner, And just looking up and being like, Holy cow. Like, you know, we walked into this team being a third, fourth place finisher at, a you know, in the Mac and, you know, we, and it's cool because we're seniors that year, like our senior class led it to be a championship winning team. And it, it was, it was definitely super cool. And it just made all the, all the struggles and all the stress that we put up with the whole year. So worth it. I remember like you guys were the session before us. You guys were like coming out with the banner in the last session and we were walking in and we had so much energy. It was like a, a, an incredible feeling for us too because we saw you guys like coming out and we were going back in. Well, and, and I think that's a piece that a lot of people probably didn't really realize. Like we weren't on deck the same time as you guys, which we never were. So that wasn't like a big difference for us. Like we, obviously our conferences were always different, but the big piece for us was really like, you know, we were feeding off of you, you guys and you guys were feeding off of us. Like you guys had a ton of energy because you guys this was a big deal for you too, because it's not like it was just a walk in the park. You guys had a tough season that you had to go through. You guys went through the same challenges as all of us. And if anything, an argument could be made that you guys had more pressure and stress on yourselves because you had that win streak to live up to, you know, and at the end of the day, you you didn't want to be the class that maybe dropped that win streak and you would have been, and you are, uh, I'm honestly, what is it? There's 
five people who can say that they've won four NEC titles straight in a row from Brian, you know, that, and that's a pretty remarkable thing. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps. What, um, speaking of goosebumps, what would you say like your most memorable moment of the meet was? Oh, a hundred. So, um, oh, I guess like a little bit of additional background myself. So I'm a, I'm a freestyler. Um, wasn't always the case. I grew up a breaststroker. I went into college as an IMer. Katie recruited me as an IMer, and I had no idea how I got myself into the two free. I just did it my senior year because they needed me in it. And then yeah. I got to college. I was like, I guess I'm going to be doing this my entire life. So I did two free, 100 free every year. I dabbled with two IM freshman, sophomore year, and then I did 50 free junior and senior year. But without question, I mean, not even a comparison. I, I, I got my first ever individual medal um, in the 100 free on that last day. And I'm not going to lie, like, I just, I really, I really was surprised because I, I think of myself as a good swimmer and I'm, I'm blessed to have experienced everything that I had and been at the point where I was, but never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would have had a top three finish at a conference meet for a, a division one program. And to get third in the hundred free was honestly the coolest moment ever. And I just remember looking back and the whole team was on the side of the pool. And I just knew I was like, holy cow, like, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I thought back and I don't know if you want to touch on this later. I can tell this story of how I first got into swimming, which is a pretty funny tale. But I just remember looking back and being like, holy cow, like that little kid finally did it. And it was a super, super cool moment, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Do you want to tell us how you got into swimming? Yeah, I mean, I get I, not that it's it was just kind of a cool story at my um, I was in third grade and I, you know, I'd done swim lessons because my parents were pretty big on making sure we learned how to swim. And I had a friend, Jack Caruso. Um, who had told me that he was going to try out for the swim team. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm hanging out with him today. We might as well just go try out ourselves. So I wore his extra swim trunks, which did not fit me. His older sister's pink, like, scuba goggles. Like, they were massive on my face. And I just showed up and I started swimming. And I was, like, the tallest one there. And nobody knew who I was or why this kid was swimming. So, so I wasn't even making it. Um, and a pretty cool story is that all you had to do to make it on the team was just do a 50 free. And you just had to get there. Essentially. They weren't really looking for much. They knew that they could coach you. And I got half, I, I finished 25, I turned around, I was coming back. I got halfway and I just stopped at the wall. I was like, dude, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make it back. Um, and my coach, um, his name was Mark Kinney. He looked down at me and he was just, and, and obviously at the time I had no idea who this man was, but he was like, just finish. He like looked at me and he was like, you can do this, like get to the wall and prove it to yourself. Um, and I will always remember that because had I given up in that one moment, I wouldn't be where I am today and God knows where I'd be. But because I pushed through and I finished off that race, you know, that's kind of been an attitude that I've always tried to, to live, live by. And I think that's a pretty cool, pretty cool story to show just kind of like what pushing yourself that little extra bit and finishing off on the right note can really do for yourself, especially, you know, in that moment, I never my wildest dreams would have thought that I would have been, even been swimming a couple years later, let alone, you know, going on swimming through high school, going to a collegiate division one program. I mean, it's, it's crazy to look back and just think how that happened. Yeah, no, that's an awesome story. I'm definitely seeing you in like the pink goggles right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like put your head down and kind of um, finish it mentality is like what we had to have this year too throughout like especially when they moved it to April, I was like, come on now. It's like two months of like fun. <laughs> we have to. Well, that's the thing, you know, for anybody who doesn't necessarily know our conference, you know, we had always been what the last week of February, pretty much, or the yeah. second last week of February. And, yeah. you know, some years guys were one week, the girls were right after, but there was, uh, I think what, two years where we were the same weekend. 
And so that kind of puts stress, especially when we're in two different locations, splitting the coaching staff, but to get pushed from the second to last week in February to what the middle of, yeah, it was April, like middle of April. Right. I mean, it was tough because you, you, you count on, you know, having a whole spring semester where you're not swimming and you can, you have time to do other stuff. And so it really was kind of like, oh, like all these things, all these things kept piling on. And then they hit us with like, oh, by the way, you're only going to have like three weeks of being in like a regular student at Bryant. We're like, ah, cool. That sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. I remember like our last day of swimming was April 1st. It was April Fool's Day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Some kind of sick, cruel joke. (laughs) So with all like this up and down and like having to dabble, what would you, how would you say like swimming prepared you for where you are now and like grad school and just like going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm currently actually back at Bryant. Um, I'm doing my grad school. I'm getting a, my master's of professional accountancy um, and I'm working to sit towards my CPA licensure. So I'm one fourth of the way done with my exams and I'm sitting for my next one soon. Um, but I definitely think that swimming has had an immeasurable impact on getting me to the to where I am today just like you said like that keep your head down and kind of just finish things mentality and I'm not here to say you know it's not been like a oh you just suck it up and you just do all this hard work and you're always grueling it's just knowing like you really learn like quality over quantity and you you understand like how hard work can really impact not yourself but other people and it's it's a group it's a group think and I and I guess one of the biggest things to really keep in Swimming isn't necessarily like a team sport in the sense that football or basketball is a team sport. So you're not necessarily relying off of other people. And I guess there's a case to be made about relays, but in general, it's more individual, but it's understanding that it really truly is a team sport because your output, what you do affects not just yourself, it's everybody. And that's just how the results work. And I think that's kind of a skill that I really took forward and has really helped me in, you know, in school and in everything, because my decisions and my impact isn't always just going to be on me. You know, if you're in a group project for school, your work is affecting three other people and they're living their own lives and telling their own stories too. And so you have to really keep these people in mind. And especially when you look to like when you're in the workforce and granted, you know, you're working a nine to five or whatever your job ends up being, you're, you're not necessarily always going to do something that you're hundred percent passionate for, but you have to understand that your work is affecting countless other, especially when you're at larger companies. And I think that whole like piece of things is just really shaped like that hard work, like mentality and just knowing that you should always put your best foot forward. You should always do something and because it reflects on yourself, but it impacts other people. And so I think that's kind of something that swimming really taught me, especially like when you get to college, you really realize like you definitely interact with people on teams who it's apparent that they only care about themselves and their output only affects themselves. But you also meet some incredible people who really care about the whole team and their whole benefit. And I think just like reflecting and looking back at that, like that's, that's just like a really good skill to have, like moving forward in your life. Yeah. Being a team player for sure. I, I can definitely attest to like the group work we had to do at Brian. Was, <laughs> you could tell who was on a team and who wasn't. Yeah, exactly. But, but and I, honestly, something is to be said too. I mean, talking about a team player, I think you're like the definition of that for anybody who doesn't know, Alexa used to get thrown in like the mile, the 4am, the two fly, like any event that somebody needed to be swimming in, Alexa would always get tossed into it. And so that's, it's really something. And I, I guess, like, what do you think? Like, wouldn't you say that that's kind of one of those things where you understand, like somebody's got to do it and it kind of forces your hand. Especially in the first two years, if you knew me, like you, 
<laughs> I would give her like an attitude the first two years and then like the last two years starting like junior year, I was like okay like wherever you need me but it was definitely like a mindset shift too because I would say like I was definitely more for myself I think it was just like also the culture of high school swimming it was like very kind of for yourself and that transition into college like was a shocker for me at least and I don't know if you can like attest like the high school swimming culture thing too yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that's kind of interesting. And I will say I have a pretty unique perspective because so I'm from Connecticut and I've met kids from New Jersey. We've had teammates, kids from Massachusetts and high school swimming is just not a big thing in those states. And I'm not trying to generalize it, just the teammates that I've had have said, like, you know, it never really mattered. So a lot of the thing was like club team, club team swimming was the big thing. So like your Y teams, your club teams that are working towards going to like nationals and stuff. Um, and that was a shocker to me because I and this could have just been my perspective. I came from a smaller club team, um, but my, my whole priority was on States. Like, so for high school, the high school swimming circuit. Um, and so I would only use club swimming to like stay in shape for high school. Cause that's, oh, that was cool. And yeah. in Connecticut, it's honestly pretty big. Like it's pretty rare that you see kids who don't do high school, which is something that I learned like in New Jersey, like the top tier kids don't swim for their high school. They just swim for their club teams and stuff. And I, I remember you saying that's pretty similar in Florida too, right? Like high school states are huge, especially like since we have like four divisions and one of them is mm -hmm. super competitive with like bowls and pine crests, so definitely very competitive. Yeah. And so it kind of it kind of forces like a different perspective. And so I was already like super team driven. I, you know, in high school, like I I came from a pretty good high school. Our high school was known for swimming and we weren't the best in the state, but we definitely like knew our niche and we were the best in our conference by a long shot. Mm -hmm. Um, not to, you know, say anything bad about the other teams, but um you know, and so I think the transition to college, I kind of just, I always had that mentality, but it was definitely super apparent when you looked at some kids who maybe just did club and did high school just to like do a couple of meets and say that they got a, you know, state championship or something or like a, a medal. Um, and I think it just like, it, you can kind of just tell in like people's attitudes towards the thing or towards like working towards a goal. But then as the years go on, you can see like everybody kind of gets back onto that same page and they know where they got to be. Right. And like, speaking of culture, how would you say like the culture for at least like the men's team changed like from when you were a freshman to now, did it change a bit or was it always the same? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the culture changed and, and a big thing too is, and I'm sure, I don't know that anybody has talked about this yet, but I'm sure you can attest as well. Our class was kind of like the, the dummy class for the 24 hour rule, <laughs> which, which <laughs> was a big, thanks coach. Yeah, yeah, literally. And so for anybody who doesn't know, 24 hour rule means you can't drink which we're not advocating at all don't drink until you're 21 age in the united states but um you know our it was the first class where you know that wasn't a thing so if you have practice or yeah i guess practice 24 hour rule meets or 48 hour rule but the, the culture was definitely different because it was like a transitioning year our freshman year and so you saw a lot more people tending to break that rule or not really worry about that but i mean by the time we were seniors that was a pretty like heavily pushed rule and obviously you know there's people who you know, put their own personal agenda in front of like the greater team good. And that's just a circumstance that you're going to have a lot of places. But I think the general gist of, of the team culture is that that was the case. And, you know, there's, there's points to be made for both sides of it, but I mean, granted, I guess the conference change is another factor, but it, it, it goes to show, you know, there's a reason that that was the case. And we weren't a conference winning team when we were freshmen and we were a conference winning team when we were seniors. So I guess there's points to be made on everything, but I think just like that, like discipline aspect is kind of like a pretty important thing. And it really like helps shape, like, honestly, great people for the workforce, but just great, like leaders, like all around. Yeah. 
so the I heard the bus ride back. Like <laughs> you guys couldn't sleep because <laughs> the bus driver was so bad. Like was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so senior year, I guess it it wasn't too bad. But our sophomore year, uh, was it sophomore? Yeah, I think it was sophomore year. It was like a so our conferences were in Buffalo. It was a blizzard. It was like not really, but it was like snowing very hard. And the bus, there was times where like I'd be asleep and I'd wake up because the bus was actually skidding off of the highway. Like that was a whole terrifying journey. All we wanted to do was get back so that we could just go to bed and like enjoyed like that we had done so well. And that was just a crazy, like crazy, crazy feeling. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, I have a weird memory. I just like one wanted to hear more on that story. <laughs> Did you guys have a oh no, because oh, because you guys got back way after us. Yeah. Senior year. That's right. Yes. Because you guys had your whole we left right after our session. And you guys yeah. had to stay because you guys were like another probably like four hours behind us, right? Yeah, we got back at like probably five in the morning and we had to get tested. And yeah. then we had to go into quarantine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that was so, yeah, we won't, we won't get into it. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll save the tea for another time. <laughs> yeah. 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 That'll be like a special. It'll be like the Matt and Alexa tell all. Like that'll be like the yeah. 50th anniversary of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like you mentioned, you were pretty close to the school. Do you keep in touch with the te- like your teammates or your coaches that are still there? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty fortunate because I'm still doing grad school um, at Bryant. I'm, I live in the area, so I'm only 20 minutes away. I live in Providence and I'm there four days a week um, for my classes. But it's it's definitely like one of those things where you would think you're going to be super disjoint. Like as soon as you graduate, it's separate. But I honestly, I stay in touch with a lot of teammates. I live with two of the guys who are still on the team um, who were guys that I lived with while I was in college. So I stay in touch with them and I, I get to hear all the updates on what's happening with the team, how the coaches are doing and stuff. And I obviously stay in touch with the coaches a lot um, just because, you know, they freaking, they shaped us and they made us the people that we are today. And like, right. honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things too, is just like being grateful for everything that they, they gave us. So, yeah especially this year like they had to sacrifice a lot so much I mean think about it they they were constantly putting themselves at risk because they had 50 people that they were coaching but they're in close contact with these people and they're trying to mitigate theirs and they have families they're going back to and I honestly give them a lot of credit for doing everything that they did yeah for sure what would you say like your favorite tradition from your either your high school team or Bryant would be hmm I mean, one thing that I really liked that we did in high school was that on Saturdays, so I think it was like a two hour practice, we would only swim for an hour and a half. And then the last like half an hour to like 20 minutes, we would play water polo as a team, which was pretty cool. Cause it kind of like, you were really like, it got pretty intense. The team was all, already split into, we had, were blue and white. So we had blue team, the white team, go white team. Um, and we kind of were split down the middle. So we were always feuding about that. And then, you know, you get all in everybody's face for that. 30 minutes and then when practice is over the whole team would go to this breakfast place in my town we'd all go get breakfast together and so it was pretty cool just because like it you 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 see the two sides of the sport right you have that competitive nature where you're really trying to beat people but then you also have that camaraderie and that friendship that you really make and it it really it really does like a lot because it really shows you like how you can separate being a competitor with also caring a lot about your teammates especially in a sport like swimming where your results compared to other people really matter even if they're your teammates um, and so that, I think that's a pretty cool thing. And then at Bryant, I guess, like a tradition that we did that was pretty cool. Um, I guess the women's team always did like a slightly different team bonding. Um, but every year we would do shirtless paintball. And that that was a pretty cool, <laughs> a pretty cool tradition that we had. Yeah, you guys are pretty consistent with that. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's super, it's it, super intimidating. Your freshman year, you have no idea what you're getting into. And 
don't get me wrong, it's completely voluntary, but you want to do it because you you know that it's like kind of a like a rite of passage almost. But it's not even that. It's just like a fun time to like go and like play with your friends, honestly. And you're realizing these are the guys I'm gonna spend four years with. And you you realize like how close you're gonna be with these people. And you see the older kids on the team who are like, you know, like laughing and having a good time. You're like, all right, I'm so glad that I made this decision. But that was a pretty cool tradition. I guess not really a tradition. It's just like something that we would choose to do every year. And like the captains, like obviously senior year, we weren't able to do it, which kind of stunk, but we chose to do like different things. And it's just a good way to like get the team all together, kind of break the ice um, and just really know like, wow, this is like something fun. And this is going to be a good group of guys to be working with. Yeah, that's awesome. Like what would, now, what would you say like your um, current advice you would have for summers now? I would say like the best piece of advice that I ever got, (laughs) which is going to crack you up is probably just like being 1% better. Um, I know that's a Brian Lomax quote, which might, uh, the wisdom turtle, yeah. the wisdom turtle, but, um, I really, I honestly live by that. And I have a notification on my phone every day that says just like, are you 1% better? And I live by it because, you know, and I think COVID really put this into perspective. Like time is precious. Like you already are on a timer when you get into college, cause you get four years. Some people get five, but four years of college eligibility, um, minus COVID, And you really have to make the most of those four years. And when a large chunk of that is taken away or changed because of a global pandemic, you realize how valuable that time is. And so each and every day, you don't want to waste that time. And I think that's a big thing. If you're waking up in the morning and you're going to morning practice and you're miserable because it's six o'clock in the morning, yeah, that's completely fair. But you woke up, you're already out of bed, you're already at the pool. At that point, like don't waste your time because it is so, it's so limited. So I live by that. Like if you can do one thing that will make yourself better you're just a little bit better than when you woke up that morning, then that's a huge thing. And so like every day at 10 o'clock, I have the alarm goes off before bed. I see it. And I think back on myself, I was like, what did I do today that has like bettered me? Did I learn something new in school? Did I, you know, work out today? Did I do something Did I learn a new recipe cooking dinner for myself? You know, and if I can't really think of anything like big that I've benefited from, I'll go and I'll do 20 pushups or something because you just need to always be being like, all right, I like benefited. I'm like bettering myself each and every day. And so I think that's a pretty good like piece of advice, especially for like younger swimmers who might listen or older swimmers who are now out of swimming, like anything that you can do to constantly be seeing progression is better than no progression. So that's kind of like my piece of advice, I guess. No, I definitely agree. Like, especially this year, like I was grateful for so many things like that I had that were kind of not there anymore. Like even being, being able to like hug my teammates and like other people I raced after, I was like, wow, like I took that for granted, but now like. Yeah, you can't, you, you really can't take anything for granted. That's the thing. Like, just enjoy the circumstance that you're in and you, that you're lucky enough to be sharing the sport because so many people have gone through it and so many people will go through it. Um, and it's just cool to be a part of that whole, like, legacy. Yeah. So we see, like, a lot of swimmers like Michael Phelps and Allison Schmidt advocating for mental health in the swimming community. I feel like before it, it wasn't, like, a taboo topic, but it wasn't talked about as much. And now, like, since um, those two started the conversation, um, just like um, reaching out for help and just like talking about mental health is definitely more um, more of a thing now these days. I don't know if like that was the case, like if you know, if you kind of saw that trend. Yeah, no, I so I, I guess first, like I um, I really think it's it's pretty remarkable what a lot of these like high scale athletes have been doing recently to kind of like just shine a light on an issue that's affected so many people. Um, I, I guess I don't know, necessarily know like every example that's existed, but I do know, you know, it's been pretty big with Michael Phelps and he's kind of been very vocal about his struggles with mental health and kind of his whole development in the sport and how his mental health has kind of impacted him um, 
while doing the sport and also after the fact. And, uh, you know, obviously he has his foundation and he's been doing so much work to really, you know, give back to those around him. But I, th- I, I honestly think it's remarkable because, and I'm sure you can agree with this too, like it's not easy. And I, I know that it's super easy to sit on a couch and watch a swim race or an NFL game or a- any kind of sporting game. Be like, oh, they messed up on that play. Like, what, like, like, oh, come on, you got to do that. You're getting paid all this money and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's really easy to do that. And I sometimes find myself like playing fantasy football and being like, oh God, like if you just caught that pass. I would have won this game. And it's super easy to say, but you know, every single person you're watching is a human being and they're, they're a person and they have a journey that they've been on similar to yourself. And I think it's, it's, it's really important to remember that, you know, every play, every race, every instance that you're having in a sport has an impact on that person whether you're Michael Phelps or you're an eight-year-old kid who's swimming his first swim race, the way that your teammates handle it, the way that your coaches are talking to you, the way that you believe that you performed, your parents, there's so many factors that are weighing on people. And I really think that, you know, as these famous athletes are really bringing to light, like their stories and their struggles and, and kind of there's more and more research that's being done about like, you know, what kind of trauma has induced, you know, some mental health issues. I think it's really important for people to just realize like, wow, you know, take a step back and kind of like, I guess, understand how your actions are really affecting other people. And at the end of the day, like, you know, cut some people a break. Like nobody's perfect. Not a single person is regardless of if you think that somebody is perfect or they are the best player in their sport ever, they're going through issues just like everybody is. And so I really think that it's important that these people are bringing up these issues because it just shows like, you know, the, if, if my role model can come out and say that, you know, they're not okay, it makes it way more normal for me to be able to come out and say that I'm not okay. And I think that's remarkable because that needs to be just the norm. It should just be the norm for people to understand that it's okay to not be okay. And so I really, I really give them a ton of credit and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as time goes on, it's going to become a more normal thing and people will, I'll be able to kind of, you know, really, really like enjoy the sport and not have to worry about the impacts, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I love when you said like the, like how your actions impact other people, especially since you don't know like what someone's going through. Um, Like this year, especially everyone was like stressed out. So you'd never, you always like had to cut people a break. But even before that, like the person that you like never thought would like have anything like going on, like might, and just like be treating people like well, even like, if they don't treat you well, there's something I learned this year too, just like kind of giving everyone a benefit of doubt for sure. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. That's so true. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your story. Do you have any closing remarks? Thanks, Matt, for sharing your story. It was great having you and just rehashing the season. Do you have any closing remarks? Yeah, no, honestly, thank you for having me. It's been pretty cool. I was really happy when you reached out and I really think this is kind of a cool thing that you're doing, just bringing in all these different people to just kind of talk about their life after swim, their whole swim journey, and just really like giving their own unique perspectives on everything. Um, So really grateful for that. Thank you so much. And I guess I will leave everybody with one final thought to ponder is who do you think would win in a fight, a polar bear or a gorilla? And so I guess you can like leave your answer in the comments, um, but it's just kind of been something I've it it keeps me up every night and so I'm just curious to see what other people think (laughs) thank you for listening to another episode of the life after swim podcast if you like today's episode be sure to like subscribe or leave a review so more people in the swimming community can hear this until next time